Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Listening live to Kings of Non Sequitur, the off-season version of In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Here with you live on a Wednesday night, May the 24th, 2017. I'm Dre. He's Jay. Back from little mini vacations that we took. Our last show was the NFL Draft Aftermath show. Get a little breather. Let that breathe. And now we're back with you live. If you're joining us live, good to hear from you. If you want to call in, of course, the phone number is always area code 646-595-4534. Wide open here. Sports world's got all sorts of things happening. Uh, Jason, you went on a little trip uh, for your anniversary. Um, how's the family doing? How'd, how'd all that go? Everything's going well. Uh, can't complain. Uh, other than everyone seems to be, we, we seem to be passing around a cold in my house. So everybody's taking turns coughing and like, you know, getting all the congestion and runny nose. And then somebody gets, gets over it. And then the next person gets it. So, so yeah, two, two out of the four people in the house at any given time here over the last about month have been dealing with this. So that, that, that's what happens when you got little ones and school and daycare and it's it's fun. It's so much fun. It's the it's the life. I'm living the dream. So I'm I'm fighting. I'm 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 the one who's uh, drawn the short straw here. So I've been dealing with it, although a little little better than I've been uh, for about the last week. So this is probably about as good as I'm going to sound. Oh, you sound fine. Uh, probably as fine as I did the last show when I was just recovering. Uh, from what I had, no, it's not just people with kids. I'm uh, this house is right there with you for the past month, going back and forth, passing something, whatever bug that we had. Uh, the wife's been just dealing with it big time ever since we got back from our trip, and I was just recovering when we started that trip, and I've been feeling fine ever since. But now the wife has been in and out of the the minor medical clinic. Uh, we even had to go to the minor medical down in Pensacola, Florida, because she was starting to get sick down there. So uh, we're right with you. Just keep battling and passing something back and forth, and hopefully the summer will uh, bring much better health for us. Well, there's nothing better than being on vacation, having to go to the, the clinic or the walk-in, I'll tell you. I had to do it on my honeymoon, so I can yes, sympathize you with you. Having to you know, be uh, just outside of Yosemite Park out in California. We had driven there from San Francisco for the day. That's not a short trip. That's like a four-hour drive. And uh, yeah, we we were both uh, not we were both not diagnosed with strep throat. Um, although that the the doctor who uh, we will always lovingly refer to as Doctor Douche, because the guy <laughs> was a total jackass, Doctor Douchebag, 
told us that we were both fine, but, oh, you know, we're going to send in your samples. You know, we're, we're going to take the little culture or whatever the back of your throat and we're going to send that in. Sends us on our way. They don't give us, you know, give, we, we, we can't get, you know, medicine, nothing. And uh, lo and behold, we fly home from San Francisco. And about, this is probably three days later, I'm getting ready to go back to work the next day. And I get a phone call from the clinic in San Francisco that said, oh yeah, your thing came back. You have strep throat. Oh, but you're fine. Yeah, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with us. So, yeah, that was nice of them to put us on a plane um, with strep throat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Sure, everybody flying uh, around you appreciated it, too. Oh, I'm sure. You know, nothing like being in a, in a you know, sealed metal tube um, with two people sitting on the plane with you that are, you know, like hacking and have strep throat. Yeah. Untreated strep throat. Uh, but this most recent trip that you took was a lot better than that. Yeah, this was fine. This was a really good trip. Uh, oh, wait. I, I, hang on. It was the worst. Hey, that's my role. You can't steal uh, my bit. I was going to go on like for 10 minutes about how bad it sucked and then say, but we had a really great time. Can't do that. That's that's. I got that copyrighted. Only I can do that on this show, pal. <laughs> you, you own that. That's right. No, in, in our effort, uh, in our effort to sort of find places close to central Wisconsin that we can reach to um, in a few hours drive and we can get away for a few days, uh, we, we ended up in Galena, Illinois. Okay. A lot of people. You know, a lot of people, it's 50-50 on people who are very familiar with it or people who are like, well, well what's that? You know, okay, well, right. They, right, you know, if you look at that map of Illinois, it's right in that little tip of Illinois at the top in the northwest corner, right where Illinois, Iowa, and Wisconsin all meet. So if you're geographically inclined, you probably are imagining that right now on your U.S. map, that, that little point. Right there where those three meet, just inside of Illinois, um, is this little little town of Galena, which is a very uh, a somewhat upscale community, um, not that far off the Mississippi River, where you know a lot of shopping, a lot of a lot of drinking, a lot of rest, restaurants, old the restaurants, excellent restaurants, uh, very hilly country. You'd think of Illinois as being all you know farm and boring and windmills, but it's actually very scenic there. Um, we had a great time. My wife was happy. We were near a casino. Ah. So there was a, you know, 15 miles away in Dubuque, Iowa. There was a casino. It was, we had fun. Um, didn't lose our ass. So that, that's always fun. So it's funny how your, and you'll, you'll appreciate this, how your, your memories of casinos are ultimately influenced by how you did there. Oh, of course. If you so lose if you your ass, there, oh, that casino sucks. Yeah, it's the worst casino ever, you know. So I'm thinking back to like when we were in Vegas, you know, like Harris, Harris was okay to us. At least we won some money at Harris. I mean, ultimately it took it all back. Well, it took it all back from you. Um, yeah. I only I only lost half my money in Vegas that I was willing to lose. So I was up and down. But for a while at the beginning, me and you playing uh, Ultimate Texas Hold'em, we were up. Yeah, Harris the Harris. wasn't the one – Harris finished me off, but uh, I got started losing my ass from uh, from a few other places before that. But yeah. right, so 
or, you know, in, in the previous times to that, it was when we were like when we were at like New York, New York, or we were at Paris, and any of those other places that we went to, especially the ones where there were shows. Um, yeah. we did terrible. Yeah, they sucked. Those were the worst. But Harris was okay. Right. <laughs> Harris, I only right. lost a little bit. You know, I can handle a casino if I only lose a little bit of money because you expect to. But it's the casino where you drive up, you get out of your car, you got a hundred bucks burning a hole in your pocket, and ten minutes later you're out because <laughs> you're you're back driving again. Those are the casinos that you don't remember fondly. So, uh, no, oh, man, I, I, I highly thinking about the, uh, the the casinos that that that's happened to me in the past. Like, oh, bad start, memories, bad, bad, bad. You're getting, you're getting like the flop sweat right now just thinking about those places. Yeah. So no, we had a very good time. Uh, weather was perfect. I mean, it was like 80 and sunny every day that we were there. Great. No rain, perfect weather. Um, could, couldn't beat it. Uh, as, as, I mean, we commented to each other several times. We were only gone for three days, but we commented to each other several times, me and my wife, that it's by far the best weather we've ever had for anywhere we've ever gone. Because usually we go on vacation, it's cold or raining or super windy. And this was just this was just perfect. I and mean, it was it was almost a little it was a little warm if it was anything, but you can handle that, you know. Yeah, 80s of you guys in Wisconsin would be a little warm, yeah. That's yes, well, because we drove us, home. It's like it's like winter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we drove home and 3 days later we were having storms uh, rolling through here back to back nights that were spawning tornadoes all over central Wisconsin. And the night after that, we had frost. Oh, jeez. We went from we went from 75 to like 28 in the span of oh. about 48 hours. Yeah. Well, that's Wisconsin for you. So the win- winter doesn't like to let go. <laughs> up here it really doesn't it, 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 it every time you think it's gone it decides to just kind of like show back up for a day like hey remember me it's winter <laughs> you know and everybody has you to get up and scrape ice <laughs> yeah. yeah everybody's got to get up and scrape the ice off their cars and you're like I'm gonna... <laughs> you know just for one more day yeah then you know and then by about the end of august um it starts trying to work its way back in yes i said august Mm-hmm. You're you're two months of summer up there, July and August. So yes, yeah, so you're no, two, we had a great time. Two months of two months of anything other than winter up there. I should I should term it. Oh yeah, pretty much yeah. July and August, the June, July and August. That's that that's about all we get for warmth, and and that's that's questionable sometimes, uh, because this is in you know, this is basically you know about three hours from Chicago. So there's a lot of Chicago influence and a lot of Chicago money in this town. Um, this sure. is sort of one of those getaway places, uh, very similar to like uh, you know, Lake Geneva, or you think, you know, way up north in Wisconsin, um, up in the Northwoods. You start thinking about some of those places that have a lot of Chicago influence. And this is one of them where we were, which means that, like I said, all the food was incredible. It, it didn't good. matter what it it didn't matter what we ate. We 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 were having. We were having pizza for lunch the one day, and it was just like, oh my god! I mean, it was just it was perfect Chicago pizza, not deep dish, Chicago right. thin crust. You know, a lot right. of th- a lot of people think about Chicago. They only think about Chicago for their deep dish pizza, like we always talk about. But one of the things that that gets uh, under 
underappreciated, I would say, would be the Chicago thin crust pizza. Not like the New York thin crust where you got to take the giant slice and fold it in half and eat it like a sandwich. That's stupid. Yeah. You could tell you could tell we like our Chicago pizza. No, I'm talking about the good old fashioned Chicago pizza cut up in the nice small slices where the corners always you never want to eat the corners. Everybody who has to eat the corners <laughs> always feels like they kind of got shit on. You know, you know which pizza I'm talking about. Oh yeah. We had one of those and uh it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I, you, just Italian guy brought his recipe with him from Chicago. Just amazing. Um so yeah, and then we of course had to have we had uh, lasagna, I lasagna the one night. We had Italian, it's sushi. My wife claimed it was some of the best sushi she ever had. So uh great time. Um uh, highly recommend it. Uh, four stars, check it out. Excellent. It's funny. Tell me, about, night, tell me about how awful your trip was. It was the worst. It was the drizzling shit. No, um, uh, it's funny. <laughs> one of the nights uh, down in Pensacola, we had pizza as well, and it was pretty damn yeah. good. Uh, I don't now, know was if it, it was. Was it, was it different? I mean, was it like a different pizza experience or? It was probably a hair below Chicago quality, but way above every anything you can find in memphis tennessee for, as far as pizza oh, well goes. yeah so okay it, 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 my wife knows me enjoy my it. wife knows that yeah my wife knows that i'm like a total food snob you know having grown up in chicago so she always kind of gives me crap about it you know so she'll be like whenever we go eat somewhere she'll ask me if something's good i'll be like yeah it's good for wisconsin <laughs> you know <laughs> You guys kind of are in a, I don't want to call it a food desert. It makes it sound like you're in a ghetto or something, but the, the, the quality of food in the little town you live in is not exactly par for someone that grew up in Chicago. You know, Wisconsin, for the most part, especially northern and central northern Wisconsin, where I am, you're fine if it's chicken, steak, and fish. They can do chicken, steak, and fish just as good as, as about anywhere else, especially fish. I, where I went last year on vacation, where it was all fresh fish caught right out of Lake Superior that morning, mm-hmm. and you were eating it mm-hmm. for dinner, you couldn't, you could not beat that. So they can do chicken, steak, and fish here just fine. It's anything else that suffers, anything <laughs> ethnic. Um, yeah, that that's really where it starts to fall down. So you can imagine the Chinese isn't very good. The uh, so inconsistent. Burgers. Yeah, the burgers, eh. you know, most some like everything is inconsistent. There's a couple. There's a couple of really good burger joints that we have around here in town, but there's some of them where it's like you go there one time, you get a great burger, you go there the next time, and it's just there's like an inch of grease at the bottom of your plate. (laughs) Yeah, and so and and anything ethnic, Mexican, Chinese, Japanese, you name it, um, struggles. Is that uh, Goodfellas? Uh, I, I ordered, you know, was it pasta and marinara, and they gave me uh, noodles and ketchup, basically. <laughs> yeah, Chef Boyardee. Yeah, that's, you know, not everyone can be top notch bon appetit like that. So, you know, no. but definitely being in Chicago for all of our childhood and and a a good portion of our adult lives especially me you get so used to it and you and you 
don't appreciate it. Uh, I definitely, it, it stands out every time I go back to Chicago now, it stands out how there's a, a restaurant and not just any restaurant, but like a restaurant that has like good shit, like every two blocks, there's a restaurant with yeah. some good shit. And some blocks have more than one. And that's definitely not the case down here. I, for what they do, Memphis is, is great for barbecue for, you know, for what they specialize in. Uh, but pretty much anything else, it's like, oh, uh, you got to keep in mind the, the one or two good places that do something well, like the one yeah. or two decent Mexican places, because there's a lot of Mexican places, but only one or two of them are actually any good. Uh, yeah. The one or two places to get some decent Chinese everywhere else is like, ugh. <laughs> uh, well, it's funny. We always talk about, uh, I don't know how much we've ever, it's ever crept into the show, but you know, TBK, right? Taco Burrito mm-hmm. King, the hole-in-the-wall taco place in, in Chicago. I've never taken my wife there. I always tell her I'm going to. Is better than every Mexican place <laughs> we have up here. We have one that's close, but it seems like they change owners every couple of years, and the, and the menu always changes. So, But it's like I crave those nachos, you know, the, those Taco Burrito King nachos or the Super King Burrito. Oh, that's what I crave is that burrito. Yeah. About two pounds of that, Oh, man. You know, that's the oh, – and I miss the nachos. I really do. Not the pork nachos, by the way, but I do miss the nachos. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's, it, you know, so, you know, growing up in Chicago, being exposed to that, all the different kinds of food, all the things that you can have, you know, and that's another thing that my wife and I always talk about is my reference for a lot of our vacations is – on food it's like you know if it was you know what are good food cities what were like you know new orleans and san francisco were the best you know and washington dc you can have it like washington dc was the worst (laughs) food experience for a trip for a major city you would think that it's the capital of our country oh my god i hated it i hated the food in Washington, D.C. I was in New York City. I had nothing memorable. I don't remember anything I ate in New York City, if you can believe that. You know, the reason you know, the reason I couldn't believe that it's it's kind of like Chicago. It's so big that you could pick four or five or six places and they could be not so memorable. But it's because you missed the two or three places amongst all those many different places out there. And you don't know, you're not from there. So you wouldn't know, like if somebody went to Chicago as a tourist, they wouldn't get around to taco burrito King because they wouldn't know. Cause it's just, it's not on their radar. No, God, no. You know, if somebody was a tourist in Chicago, they'd drive by taco burrito King and be like, what the, they'd think they were going to eat at seven 11 or something. What is that? That looks like, come on, look at that, that place. I'm going to get murdered if I eat in there. Kind of reminds uh, yeah, me of place place I remember. in Minneapolis uh, when I went up there to, to visit a woman I was dating. She took me to some place that looked like a complete hole in a wall, and I forget what we had, but it was awesome. And it was like, oh my god, this oh, okay. is so good. But but it looked like something that if I were walking by, I wouldn't go anywhere near it because I would think like right. I'm going to so, get killed, like you said. So one of the one of the one of the things that I've acquired over the years of traveling is when you stop when you, when you go somewhere and you go to a hotel. You ask the person who's working at the hotel yeah. where to go eat. They know. Because they or are the local people. Specifically. Yeah. 
Those are the local people. Yeah, where do you go? Not where yeah. should I go? Where do you go? Where do you go? When you, you know? get off of work tonight, where are you going to go eat or right. drink? Right. Or have breakfast in the morning, you know, stuff like that. So you get in, you end up getting a lot more tips that way mm-hmm. that end up making more sense. No, but I'll tell you, New York, I remember we were driving, looking for a place to eat because we were staying in New- Newark, <laughs> which was. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was memorable. <laughs> And we were, we were out on, we're out on the highway past the Meadowlands, going in like into New Jersey, like in you know. And we just finally got so fed up of looking for a place to eat because we couldn't find anything. We stopped at a place, and that was where I had the experience where the waitress asked me what country I was from. <laughs> wow! My family, because of our <laughs> accent. <laughs> Jeez, you're like yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't know we we. Uh, I was like, we're all like this. We're from this one, (laughs) yeah. Oh, and she had the real thick, like she was like straight out of Central Casting for The Sopranos, you know, right? Or something like any one of those real thick, heavy New York accents, New Jersey, you know, Jersey girl, yeah. And she's, I just given us this whole spiel about she loves our accent. What country are we from? Oh my God. So yeah. that woman has never been anywhere west of Pennsylvania no. in her life. Uh yeah, no, probably not. So so tell me about Pensacola, the most racist country uh place in the country, according to Dan Bernstein. I don't have many complaints about the trip. What? I have a couple here and there, but as always, there's oh, always well, something yeah, to find to to complain about. Uh right off the bat, since we're on food, I I'm not going to remember the names of the places, but every night except for the the night that we had pizza, the 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 next three nights that we were there, we had seafood, and it was unbelievable. You have to, and and it yeah, should you have be to. It's all got. Yeah, just don't order anything blackened down there because that's probably Deepwater Horizon oil. Oh no, that's. <laughs> hey hey, that's not good. If it's. Oh no, that's not, I. I don't eat blackened anyway because I'm not a, a pepper guy. I'm not a spicy guy. Um, what it? You know what I did have the last night was something. Uh, they called it bronzed, not blackened, and I'd never heard of that before. <laughs> was, was that? I cut myself uh, off of coughing there, so that was to yeah. sound silly. I think of oh. bronzing, you know, I think of like the stuff that like the bodybuilders put on or the people that the stuff they put on the people in the movies to make them all look, uh, you know, like suntan and stuff. They put the bronzer on them. They didn't put bronzer on the fish. They they called it bronzed. Um, <laughs> okay. It, it was, and I can't, and now I'm not even going to remember exactly what it is, but it's, it's probably not a secret or not anything exotic because I saw it on several menus down there is just the last night I decided to try something bronze. So I had bronze grouper and it was unbelievable. It was, it was so good. Um, it, it's, uh, oh man, now I'm, see, now I'm going to have to Google it because I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's, it, it sounds, it does sound weird, but it's not, it's not, it wasn't, uh, it was just fried in something that kind of gives it a, a bronze color other than just frying it in, in just regular old, uh, you know, whatever they usually fry something in. Uh, let's see, bronze. Um, so it's not blackening, but it's uh, it's something similar. 
uh, I'm, I'm going to do my sports pope now to Mike Francesca. He loves doing that when he's reading his cell phone, trying to look for information on something. Oh, um, I did not know that. The highest rated show in New York is an old guy sitting up there looking through his phone going, go figure. Um, so three tablespoons of butter. Uh, oh, of course. Uh, Paul, Paul oil. <laughs> uh, lemon zest, salt, pepper. Uh, it's basically just a way to fry it that sort of gives it a uh, sort of almost sweetened uh, uh, seasoning other than just the regular frying uh, method. Anyway, it was excellent. Uh, that restaurant, I remember the name of it because it was uh, the one place. My wife, of course, is Miss uh, Miss Preparation, so she researches all these restaurants. And what happened was the last night we were there was not supposed to be the last night we were there. We got an extra night there because of one of the uh, bad things that happened, one of the things to complain about, which is the condo that we rented, which was otherwise wonderful and just dream worthy and out on the water overlooking the the water and the beach and can't possibly have any complaints about it except we had an ant problem and they oh. got all over everything and including the food that we left out overnight because we didn't think it would be a big deal but we woke up and it was covered in ants and my wife was communicating with the woman that owns the condo and we wound up uh getting an extra night out of the sort of out of the deal uh sort of a, as an apology for the for the ant issue and they did send somebody uh, an exterminator to spray the next morning and, and try to cut down on the ant problem and i think that solved the problem uh so we were there four nights and we were supposed to be there three originally um so that's what happened by uh, with the last night that we were there was we wound up going to a restaurant that my wife had not researched prior to getting down to Pensacola, uh, but we chose it sort of not hastily, but it was just something that we looked up and said, okay, let's go for this one. It sounds pretty good. But just by the name of it sort of made me think I'm not so sure we should go here. The name of the place was Flora Bama Yacht Club. And just maybe I'm oversensitive <laughs> or whatever, but that just gave me the just the name of the place, Florabama Yacht Club, just gave me the impression of some place that people of our complexion wouldn't necessarily be welcome in. Um, yeah. So I was a little apprehensive uh, as far as that goes. But the reviews said the food was good. And so we decided to go and try it out. And you walk in, and right away you get all these symbols and signs that people of our complexion probably shouldn't be in there such as the Donald Trump painting in one corner and all these uh, military flags and, and decals and whatnot over overhead. It was the decor. It was a lot of uh, military stuff. Uh, uh, the country singer in the corner, in, in another corner uh, with the guitar, with the microphone and the guitar, the, the, the country guy standing, standing up there singing while you're eating. Um, it wasn't outdoors, but it was sort of an open air type of place. So there's literally birds flying around as you're eating and, and just hanging out and saying, Hey, what's up? 
so yeah, it was not the the ideal place for just sitting down and enjoying a meal, and it wasn't an ideal place for people who look like us. But the food the food was excellent. The the meal was incredible, and the Browns group was something that I highly recommend. Uh, all the other nights for for seafood, um, there was one night that I had shrimp and 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 some crab legs, and that was pretty good. Uh, there was a night that we had a, an adventure where we were trying to find a, a place that was highly recommended, but apparently very difficult to find because we were going by the directions that were that our phone was giving us when we punched in the address and we kept going up this very steep bridge and back down and it kept telling us that we were we had arrived at our place and we're like we're on a bridge so no we haven't arrived at our place that so we couldn't really figure that out but finally we got down off the bridge and and went on one of the little side streets next to the bridge and it, it didn't look very promising to find the place that we were looking for it looked you know, desolate and vacant and, and dingy and dirty. Uh, but there it was. You just had to drive down a ways, but there was the place that we were looking for. Um, that place, I, it's got the, the the name Fisherman in it, I want to say, the Fisherman's Spot or something like that. And it was wound up being a perfectly little dingy, funky, dirty little uh, hole in a wall, kind of like we're talking about Taco Burrito King. That it's a place that you could not possibly find it if you're a tourist because it was so sort of out of the way. It was like past the dog groomers and to the right of a stop sign, and there's no way uh, you could see it. And my wife initially even hesitated to drive down that street because she didn't think that was correct. But I said, I think we have to try because there's nowhere else it could possibly be. So we, we have to go this way. And sure enough, uh, there it was. Um, and you get in there and the the seat cushions haven't been washed since 1973 and the windows are dirty and the flies are fighting you for the food uh, and then the food gets there and you dig into it and you go oh my god this is so good um what i had was it was uh some sort of pasta dish that had all this uh shellfish inside of it steamed up with it and, and cooked along with it so you had the clams in there you had the mussels uh, I think oysters as well. Uh, some scallops were were down in there, and I, I could have eaten three bowls of that stuff. It was so good, um, and then polished off with an excellent uh, caramel uh, seven layer caramel cake as well. And my wife had like a New Orleans style bread pudding, and she said it was the best bread pudding she'd ever had. So, it, good, great job by my wife for the places that she researched. Um, and then the last night with the Florabama Yacht Club, I wouldn't necess necessarily recommend that place if you're trying to go somewhere safe. Uh, and, sh and sure enough, when I got back, I told a coworker about it who's familiar with that area. And she said, oh, no, you definitely don't want to be in that place at night. It gets rowdy. So, yeah, we we're lucky we were there when it was daylight. Um, but. Yeah, like I said, with the the Trump poster and the country singer in the corner, it doesn't surprise me that Florida Florabama Yacht Club gets crazy at night. But uh, no bad experiences with the food, other than uh, just that decor and that general feeling there. So can't complain at all about the food. Uh, can't complain about the condo except for the ants, and that's a big complaint i understand but other than that it was perfect it was right there like i said on the water you you walk out the out the door 
and walk across a little wooden uh, walkway and you're literally on the beach, you know, sand and water and all of that. And it was just wonderful. Uh, I couldn't enjoy the trip as much as I could because not only was I still coming off of being sick, but then my right foot was giving me all sorts of issues. So I wound up uh, having a walking boot for the the first day of that trip and then my foot started feeling better and i was able to get rid of of, of the walking boot after that but doing that with the walking boot driving down meant that my wife made the decision to not even put me on the insurance for the rental car so she drove the entire trip and what happened there was that she's the one making the decisions on where to stop for food where to stop for gas uh and all of that and we wound up stopping the same place in Mississippi and in, in Jackson, Mississippi uh, at a burger place called the feathered cow, which was pretty good. Um, so, but we were trying to stay safe and, and go somewhere that we felt safe and comfortable. So she chose that place going there and going back because it's Mississippi. And again, we don't have a lot of experience going to Mississippi, Alabama, Florida panhandle, as you called uh, Alabama, you called it uh, East or you call it, yeah, East Mississippi. And yeah, that's, yep. not only was, not only was that accurate, but I would, I would call Pensacola and, and that Florida panhandle area. I would just call that East Alabama. Cause there really wasn't much of a difference when you leave Alabama and go over, over the water and go into Pensacola. There's probably less difference there than there was going from Mississippi to Alabama because going from Mississippi to Alabama was actually kind of stark because you cross that state line and go into Alabama and you run into some real poverty looking places and shacks and Confederate <laughs> flags everywhere. And this is coming from Mississippi. We're coming from Hattiesburg, which is not exactly the richest part of the country. But as soon as you cross the state line and get in Alabama, it just turns into complete trash hillbilly country. And it's like, Whoa, you guys are really not very rich down here. Are you? And that well, that led to a sort of interesting uh, confrontation, not confrontation, but uh, adventure at the gas station that we decided to choose or that she decided to choose. So we're driving through. We need gas. We by the, about around the time that we hit Alabama, we it's time to look for somewhere to get some gas. But going through that part of Alabama when we first got there with, like I said, Confederate flags and, and poverty and shacks and houses look like they're falling apart and stuff. We're like looking around and thinking, no, we're not going to stop for gas anywhere around here. We're going to keep going. So we hit Mobile, Alabama, and, and the sort yeah. of uh, hillbilly part of that town. And we're still, you know, it's coming close. The, that needle is coming close to E, but we're going, no, still don't feel comfortable getting out. We, uh, we, we're not close to Pensacola yet, but we don't want to get out here. And then we get to the black part of Mobile, Alabama. And as dangerous and poverty-stricken as that felt, that still felt safer to get out there than it did in the other parts of Mobile, Alabama. So we decided to get out uh, in the in the hood of, of Mobile uh, at this one gas station that I don't remember which gas station it was, but they had a mobile phone company right next to it. And that kind of struck me as unusual, to, like a Boost mobile phone, like literally right next to the gas station. And that was an adventure. There were three characteristics of stopping at that gas station in Mobile, Alabama that made me think, oh, my God, I am in Mobile, Alabama, and there's no escaping it. 
Number one was the multiple misspellings on all the signs at the gas station in Mobile, Alabama. I, I may have been tempted to go get a sandwich from Mobile, Alabama if they knew how to spell the word sandwich, but since they didn't know how, I, I just decided to pass on all that. The second was looking at the, the young black man filling up his tank, pulling the gas nozzle out of his tank while it was still pumping gas. I don't oh, know how he... Yeah, that's a smooth move. I don't know how he thought it worked, but yeah, you have to take your hand off the the handle when you pull the the gas when you pull the pull it out of your tank. I don't know if he had his hand on the pump or if he had it where the notch was down and it was pumping automatically and it hadn't stopped yet. Or I, I don't know what the deal was, but the young man did not seem to understand the concept of taking the the hose out of the tank only after it is no longer pumping gas. And the third thing, and that was going into, that was me hobbling into the gas station uh, with my walking boot. That's what I see going in there. And upon emerging, the third thing that made me think, oh my God, I'm in mobile, was a different young black man who had pulled his, his pickup truck up to a tank and was not filling gas yet. He was just standing outside the, the pickup truck on a cell phone and, <clears throat> and sitting there in the cab of his pickup truck as if it was just completely normal, were two dogs and they weren't poodles. They were looking like they were ready to fight somebody. If I may be stereotypical and assume that these were fighting dogs, I think these were fighting dogs. I think they were uh, they were pit bull looking dogs and they're just in the cab uh, of the pickup, out in the open, just completely normal. And as I made eye contact with them, not because I'm trying to get killed, but because I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I was like, it was one of those double take situations where I kind of glance over and look for my car and then look back and go, wait, am I looking at dogs in the right in the middle of the, of the gas station, just out in the open? As I make eye contact with them, it dawns on me, they can get out of that pickup truck and come get me easily. The guy on the cell phone doesn't seem to be very concerned with them. And I'm in a walking boot, so it's not like I'm running away from them anyway, but I'm in a walking boot. And so I immediately look away and try to act normal <laughs> and make my way to my car as normal as I possibly can. And only by the grace of whoever is watching over me, uh, did the dogs stay calm and stay in their pickup truck and, and not get agitated and, and come after me. So you probably uh, that was my probably look like a. You probably look like a big giant slab of roast beef to those dogs walking to your car. But but I didn't apparently because they didn't come get me. No. And so well, you, know, they were fighting, were... you gotta watch out for those fighting dogs. I've heard their bad news. Yeah! Michael Vick would anybody be very got, proud of that. Yeah, I was about to say, do you think anybody got that one? <laughs> One or two, maybe. One of one or two of our twelve listeners. Thank um, you. Yeah. Oh, and so for the was... sake, it, you know, in case you ever have to drive through there again, yeah, uh, I'll give you a tip here that might save your life, so that so the people don't know that you're, you know, not not of the area. It's mobile, not mobile, not like the gas station. No, it's 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 actually mobile. It, it has mobile. Alabama. It has. Mobile, Mobile, Alabama. And if you're from down south, it's Mobile. Mobile. <laughs> um, you know, it's Mobile. Yeah, so, uh, it's, it's 
like Mattoon, so Illinois. When you go there, it's Mattoon. 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 <laughs> I'll drive through Mattoon. I'm going to do Mattoon in Cairo, Illinois. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not uh, Cairo. Not Cairo. Cairo. The, the, you know, yeah, no, Ky- Cairo is in Illinois. Cairo is in Egypt. <laughs> yeah, I don't spend a lot of time in, in Mobile, Alabama. In fact, as Mobile, I said yes. already, it was the first time I'd ever been in the state of Alabama. So, right. yeah, apologies to all south, the people in Mobile. Yeah, I mean, all those those listeners that we have in, in, in Mobile, <laughs> Alabama are going to be they, – they checked out already. We're going to be getting hate mail. That's right. We probably have way more listeners in Australia than we do in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> that the numbers would indicate that. Go figure. Shout out to all our Australian people. Yeah, I would. I would, did. I, we may have more listeners in Burkina Faso than <laughs> that's right, Mobile, Alabama. I believe we had listeners in Burkina Faso. We did. I. Have no idea why, but we we absolutely do. Somebody, you see that all the time on these uh, uh, un, you know, unsung uh, or VH1 rock and roll, you know, stories where all these guys who think they have no career and they they flamed out in America, but all of a sudden a, a remix of their song went number one in Switzerland, and they get oh, to yeah. go over there, yeah, and be stars again. So maybe we well, have a trip if, to if... Burkina Faso in our future. Yeah. Well, if somebody down in Sydney or Burkina Faso wants to throw a boatload of cash at us to come and host a, a sports radio show or something. <laughs> we're listening. Call. We're yeah, we're listening. listening. Yeah. Plenty of ways to contact yeah. us. In much less detail at gmail.com. Just send us a, a, a note and, That's right. and get at us and then we'll we'll talk. We'll talk to anybody. That would be uh, one interesting radio show in Burkina Faso. <laughs> We'd have to learn a lot of soccer, I'm guessing. That's an, I don't know anything. That's in Africa, soccer. right? That's Africa, right? No idea. It's literally no idea. Okay. Not a clue. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure it's Africa. Well, I, I I don't really have any other complaints about the rest of the trip. It was it, the the weather was perfect except for the the last day we were there. It was raining all day, but other than that, it was gorgeous. It wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. Uh, we went to the grocery store as soon as we got there and shopped. And the wife was cooking breakfast in the morning, and we were eating out on our balcony overlooking the water and imagining how great it must be to live like this all the time, knowing we had to go back to our regular lives and our regular jobs at the end of the week, but. While we were there, we absolutely enjoyed our time, and and the uh, woman who whose condo we rented uh, was very courteous to us uh, and and very apologetic for the uh, conditions with the ants. But uh, it was other than that, it was very clean. It was very very nice, um, and I can't really complain about anything uh, other than the ants. Well, that's that's like the best trip you've ever taken. That's a pretty positive trip. Oh, I did have a minor complaint, uh, actually. Oh. So the, the one thing about renting someone else's house is you have to deal with whatever setup they have, whatever their furniture is. If it's not up to your liking as far as your comfort level, there's no, really nothing you can do about it unless you want to bring your own folding chairs or something silly like that. Uh, 
the furniture I don't have a complaint about. The wife was actually complaining about uh, the 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 cooking the cooking uh, utensils and the uh, uh, the pots and pans that they were a little flimsy. They're not up to you know I guess her standards. Uh, so that's the one thing. If you're used to cooking with a certain uh, sturdiness and you have a, a flimsier pan and your eggs cook a little quicker than you're, than you're used to because the pan isn't as thick and it might not be uh, quite as clean as you might hope because there's people who were there before you and it, it's all up to, to whether they clean it uh, correctly and thoroughly before you get there. So there's all these things that you're sharing uh, that other people have used and you're kind of hoping that it was you know pretty clean before you started to use it. You don't know who was there before you. You don't know uh, what the, the situation is going to be like when you get there as far as furniture and, and different things. The, the beds have to be, uh, you, you have to hope that they're comfortable. I didn't have any complaints about the bed. My wife thought it was too soft, uh, but I thought it was like, it was like that perfect combination between soft and hard to me. It was, it was, it was basically medium, uh, but we're so used to our sort of harder beds that we have. We have these foam mattresses here at home. So anything less than that to her is going to feel soft, but I thought it was pretty, actually a uh, pretty moderately uh, hard bed, but that's the only thing is you have to deal with whatever uh, the, the layout is to, and, and whatever the people have chosen as their uh, furniture, but that's not, that's not too unusually, you know, it's not too different from a hotel that you get a hotel, you have to deal with whatever this hardness or softness of that bed is. You have to deal with whatever that couch or, or, or easy share feels like. So it's really not all that different, but yeah, she didn't like the, uh, the, the utensils because they weren't exactly up to her standards. So just something to think about for anyone renting a condo. Yeah. And that's what or you're going to get. You're, you're gonna, or something like that. Yeah. That's what you're going to get uh, to be expected. Mm -hmm. uh, we're ostensibly a sports talk show and we have 14 minutes of live radio left here or podcasting sure um is there anything sports related that, that's on your mind uh hope you like ties in football you know it, do you, so you think the, the the new 10 minute overtime is going to produce more ties i'm thinking oh, yeah. it's going to produce I th what i'm thinking is going to produce more like strategy as far as people trying to to draw out that possession whoever wins the coin toss I think it's going to be, if you have the personnel to do this, if you have the ability to do this, I think people are going to try on purpose to make their drives long and drawn out and, and you know, as, as time consuming as possible, because they're going to go for that 10 minute drive that ends with the field goal that ends the game. And short of that, they're going for the eight or nine minute drive where they get the field goal, turn the ball over to the other team and the other team only has 60 seconds to, to get downfield and get that field goal to, to tie it back up. I think people are going to go for not, uh, I don't think it's going to be more ties myself. I think it's going to be more uh, three point victories from the team that winning, that wins the coin toss, that's able to drain the clock and, and make it so that the other team with that second possession doesn't have any time left. I'm going with ties. I'm sensing ties here. We had a lot of these 15 minute overtime periods that were scoreless 12 and 13 minutes into the overtime. Those games are going to be over now. So I'm sensing more ties. 
I'm sent or to your point, if you have a team that does go on an eight minute drive, you're gonna start to see the strategy of the other team within that two minute drill just trying to get into field goal range because at that point a a tie is better than a loss. You're gonna have teams happy to tie. It's crazy. Sure. So yeah, because you're, yes, you're left I, with sixty seconds, you you have to do all you can to get back downfield. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I think it's smart to drain the clock like that. I think the the team that gets that coin toss and wins that 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 first possession instead of trying to go for the touchdown, which we see a lot, uh, I think it's smarter to just go for the the time consuming drive and just leave the other team as little time as possible. Yeah. But, We'll so get, yeah, out. get down to like the get down to like the thirty yard line and get into field goal range, and then just slow everything down and make the other team have to start using timeouts and all of that. So yeah, that, that's what I see from from a ten minute overtime. Sure, but I, I I do think that the end result, the end product, is going to be more ties, and I think that we're going to have the most insane and ridiculous tiebreaker scenarios come up in week 17 that we've ever seen before because two seven seven and one teams are tied for the wild card and oh who knows? god <laughs> yeah if they both win and they're both eight seven and one and how do we break that tie and figure out who makes the playoffs yeah it it, it might be something crazy like that yeah, you know, and one of the funny ones is that you know there's always that team that sort of needs another team to tie to get in. It could happen now. <laughs> it might actually happen. <laughs> uh yes, the the eight six and two Giants get ready for that wild card bid. Uh, it, that that just making the, the overtime from fifteen to ten minutes. That just to me once again seems to be an answer to a question that nobody was asking. I don't think anyone was clamoring for the overtime period to be shortened. I don't understand why they felt the need to do that. I, most of the change of pace, the, the pace of play stuff that they came up with, uh, no more, you know, touchdown commercial, extra point commercial, kickoff commercial. I guess that's all going to get streamlined down. Those make sense. I mean, there was a lot of that stuff that had become a total joke in watching football and just ground games to an absolute halt, you know? Um, so so I understood some of the some of the change of pace things as far as like with the broadcast partners and the things that they were coming up with. What you're seeing is a league that has been used to this this sort of cat this, this meteoric rise in popularity and ratings and revenue stream has one down year and everyone's running around with their hair on fire. Well, at least they did like this. At least they didn't come out and, and try to put any credence into the ratings dropping because Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee and do something stupid, like ban anyone from taking a knee, which would really be PR suicide to do something like that. At least they didn't put any credence to that garbage. But yeah, they do uh, tend to to overreact to things like yeah. a ratings drop and, and try to figure out again providing answers to questions that nobody's actually asking. Yeah, I'm not I'm not putting a, a lot of stock into the fact that the ratings were down because of Colin Kaepernick. 
um, doing what doing what he could. He has every and had every right to do. He he could do that. I think we both said that multiple times during the year. It's like great. He, he that's what he wants to do. That's that's his right as an American citizen to 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 choose his way of protest and 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 do whatever he wants. So 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 go do it. Problem for Colin Kaepernick was he sucked really really bad. That's what he needs to worry. He needs to worry about the sucking more than anything. He gets into that that that's what I'd be worried about if I was Colin Kaepernick, not creating my image with the with the storms coming uh thing or taking the knee, any of that crap. All you know, we, we talk about this all the time. We talk about this during the draft. None of that matters if you're good. And he was not good. The the Aaron Hernandez hanging happened uh, about a week before yeah. the draft, and, and we didn't really touch on it very much. There's obviously not all that much we could say about it. Uh, but but what were your your thoughts on that whole situation? That you talk about a life. Uh, coming to a, a, a shocking end, uh, sh- the, the shocking details of that life before that ending. Uh, right. All of us watching Aaron Hernandez for all those weeks playing football had no idea what his life was actually all about. And, and uh, it was, the whole thing was, was very shocking. Yeah. He was the kingpin. I mean, we, we didn't even know it. Um, ironically, has it, it, he's being like posthumously acquitted of a lot of stuff. All uh, the good it does him now. He should have hung on a little bit longer. Oh. Hey, hey! Just saying. Um, no, it's, it's sad. I mean, but but obviously but there was murder and like gangland activity and all these things going on that even with even if he's found innocent of of some of this this was not a uh this was not a clean person in the eyes of the law or or you know in general this wasn't someone who was just being you know framed for a crime he didn't commit there's no the one armed man isn't walking through the door to you know they can hey, he did it uh, I don't, do you think anybody got that yeah, reference? In house, at all? Outhouse, in-house. <laughs> the fugitive is not out there. Oh, okay, no, no. So yeah, it, it it's a thing, and it happened. He was he has a massive talent. I mean, he was a great player, um, and had a very very troubled life that he just could not escape from, and now he's dead. And there you go. Yeah, he and Rob Gronkowski on the field at the same time, that's one of the matchup nightmares yeah. of all time. When those two were were lining up on opposite sides, like most teams don't have a linebacker that can cover one of those, much less both. So it was just horrible to have to defend against those two. And then how divergent their lives went after Hernandez gets arrested and his football career is over. And it, it just happens to turn out that he hangs himself the same day that Gronkowski and the Patriots were stalking around the White House and peeking around corners and interrupting Sean Spicer's press briefings and just having a grand old time uh, at the White House celebrating uh, their Super Bowl win. You can't possibly go two different directions, any any starker than that. One guy is dead the same day that the other guy is at the Super Bowl uh, or is at the White House celebrating his Super Bowl win. That's as divergent as it gets. Uh, it, it was just 
so the whole thing was just stark and and eye-opening what it pointed out to me was uh a lot of people talking retroactively after hernandez is, is found hung in his cell talking retroactively about what the new england patriots as an organization could have possibly done to prevent this type of stuff from happening because they knew what kind of guy they, they may not have known that he was up to this level, but they knew that he had trouble. They knew he was a, a troubled individual, Aaron Hernandez, when they drafted him out of Florida and they drafted him anyway. Uh, and he was supposed to be drafted a lot higher than he was, but he fell to the fourth round because of all those troubles. But there was a lot in the, in the sports media, there was a lot of retroactively wondering what could Bill Belichick and, and Robert Kraft and the Patriot organization, what could they have done to keep Aaron Hernandez on a straight and narrow because they had to have had some sort of responsibility to look out for this guy. They knew he was troubled and they should have kept an eye on him closer than they did. And I don't know how, how you feel about all that, but I really need people to stop crying about prior activity by these guys before they get into the NFL as if anyone a can predict what direction they're going to go in based on their previous life. Cause if you do that, you're going to really throw away a lot of really talented guys who happen to turn their lives around. Once they get into the NFL, You're, you can't just treat them like, like garbage because of what they did when they were 16, 17, 18 years old, because so many of those guys get into the NFL, get a different viewpoint of life, get different life activities and experiences and get rid of that previous lifestyle. They don't all stay gangster like Aaron Hernandez. And number two, even for the ones that do, the NFL is not a nursery. They're not there to babysit. That's not their fucking job. Their job is to draft the team's jobs individually is to draft the guys that are best prepared to help them win football games. And whatever they do off the field besides that really isn't their responsibility. That's as bad as if you look at McDonald's hiring a guy off the street and you go, don't you have a responsibility that he's not? A no, they don't have a responsibility for shit. They're just hiring people to do jobs for them. They're just an employer. That's all they are. Stop with the prior activity. Stop with all of this garbage about the, the Patriots should have done more to help Aaron Hernandez. No, they shouldn't. That's not their job. No, they're, they're not their they're they're mommy and their daddy. They're their employer. They're their boss. It's a, it's a job. You know, and, and that's part of the reason why I know we talk about it and, you know, you're, you're, you're on this all the time about when you talk about, you know, people falling down the draft board for prior issues, you know, like, you know, hey, you, got, you know, we got guys with the weed, we got guys with the beating up the girlfriends, you got all sorts of stuff that these guys do. Well, yeah, they're, they're not always drafting. It's not so much that they're drafting these guys on their ability to play football and they're not, and they're not drafting these guys on their off the field stuff or it's not hurting them. But what it is, it's about money. That's what it's about. You don't draft the guy in the first round and commit six and a half million dollars to him. If you're worried that he's going to be off the team suspended, you know, locker room cancer. I think it's more about the money sometimes all the time than it is about the playing ability. And that's, there's another example right there. He slipped to the fourth round, even though you saw it on the field. He had first-round talent. That's right. But, it, but 
it's not even about it's all about the playing ability to me because if he can't play you're not going to draft him and if he can't play you don't care what he does it doesn't matter one hour after show we come back Right into our VIP after show program, another hour of sports talk, unless we talk about stuff other than sports, which it's our show, so we can talk about whatever the hell we want. Uh, so yeah, definitely is a non sequitur, no doubt about that. We live out, we live up to our name quite often. Um, so I definitely want to get to that as far as sports goes. Um, do you have anything else sports related you want to get to? I have a few, few topics here. No, not so much. I was curious because I've been very disconnected between vacation and my, my, my work schedule has been pretty, pretty grueling. So other than uh, watching a lot of baseball, other than other than watching baseball, my 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 knowledge of what's been going on. I know that I, you know, I've got some limited NBA knowledge, uh, which is why you need it, because there's only two teams that matter. Um, That's right. None of the rest matters. <laughs> it's just this is what it's become. Like why do they even why do they even play the season anymore? I'm start, I'm starting to wonder this now, and it's just it's so sad that you just yeah it's great for those two teams, but everyone else is like yeah thanks for trying guys. They really truly do have to start giving those guys participation trophies. I have not checked out the playoff ratings. I can't imagine they're any good because everyone is There's just waiting no for problem. the Golden State Warriors. Yeah and the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA Finals, and nothing else matters. I mean, have the Warriors lost yet? No. Okay, and the Cavaliers have lost once. Once. They're they're going to say doing the old Moses Malone. Foe, foe, foe. That's all we got to do is win four games and keep advancing. Foe, foe, foe. Moses likes to keep it very simple. (laughs) So, yeah, there's basketball for you, yeah. That completes our basketball breakdown on uh, Kings of Non Sequitur. Uh, yeah, there's not there's nothing else to talk about. Just waiting for the finals to start, and, and that's it. Uh, I saw this particular umpire who we've always sort of talked about between ourselves. I don't know if we talk much about him on the show. This particular umpire who it's got to be the worst in the game and and keeps his job. Every year, is this Angel? And he talking a, about Angel Hernandez. He's mean. He might be the second or third worst. Angel Hernandez. Yeah. Oh, okay. this guy's even worse than that. Uh, and he had a particularly. Well, when I say the name, you re, you remember and you go, "Oh, that motherfucker." Uh, he had a particularly bad week uh, several weeks ago, uh, the week of April nineteenth, actually, because when I Google search his name. The first thing that came out, and just his name, not this guy is bad or this guy worst umpire in baseball, just his name, just by itself, just his name. The very first entry is his Wikipedia page. And then it goes down the list about this particular week that he had, because that's how bad it was. Second piece under his name, under the Google search, the Deadspin piece about him. Umpire C.B. Buckner is having a bad week. The third your buddy, piece. Oh, your buddy. You love CB Buckner. He's your boy. The third piece is from CBSSports.com. MLB umpire CB Buckner is probably having the worst week in baseball. The fourth piece is from SportingNews.com. 
CB Buckner shows how bad an umpire he is and calls with calls in Nationals game. The fifth is from SI.com, Sports Illustrated. Umpire CB Buckner makes horrendously awful calls second night in a row. This guy is awful. He has been awful for I don't know how long. I don't know how he stays employed in Major League Baseball. He has some calls. I tell you, this is back in, like I said, the third week of April. So most of us probably forgot as I paused to cough. <clears throat> but uh, it was unbelievable. The uh, the one night he had, uh, it was the Braves uh, Nationals. And uh, was he the home plate umpire? I don't, uh, oh, he was, I think he was the third base umpire. So Chase Darnot of the uh, of the Braves had a, a swing and a miss at a ball in the dirt to that would have ended the game. Except CB Buckner, oh no, he was behind the plate. He was a uh, he was a home plate umpire. Except CB Buckner heard or saw something that nobody else in the park saw and called it a foul tip, and let him stand up there and have another at bat. And he got lucky, only, you know, just pure luck that they, they were able to retire Chase Darno and, and win the game anyway. But it was just the worst call. And Jason Worth just went off on him screaming and yelling because it's like, what are you looking at? What are you doing? And the uh, the next night, he uh, had a ball where he was the third base umpire, saw uh, uh, a Bryce Harper uh fly ball towards the outfield that Emilio Bonifacio clearly caught on a trap and CB Buckner called it out and they had to go to uh, the, the replay and say that it was actually not a, a catch. And the, but when you see the screen cap of the, of the ball hitting in front of Bonifacio, a good seven or eight inches in front of him and, and bouncing up into the glove and CB Buckner calls him out. How, how does this guy keep working? I just don't understand it. The This is why some forms of racism still exists in America, because white people can look at that and go, well, that's obviously affirmative action. There's no reason to keep him around because he's obviously the worst umpire in the world. And yet he still keeps his job. I don't have any other explanation for it, though. I can't say it's not affirmative action. I can't say it's not MLB trying to stay diverse because there's no reason to keep out. He sucks. He just sucks. And, and that's all there is to it. I don't know if ever made it short show before. But I know your love or your, or your, your love to love hate, hate uh, for... for for CB but is well documented over the years. You just even even you know talking talking through the phone and you have to be watching like a White Sox team or something. Something CB Buckner is buying the dish. Oh, you know this guy is the worst. So yeah, yeah, it's hard to get into Hernandez but he does it, and it's not just me thinking it. Searches related to CB Buckner from Google. C.B. Buckner, bad call, C.B. Buckner, salary, C.B. Buckner, Jason Worth, C.B. Buckner, foul tip. It's all about how bad C.B. Buckner is because he's bad and always has been bad, and I just 
don't understand how he keeps his job. And I don't really have anything else to add to it except just put my palms in the air and go, how is he employed? How is he employed? I don't get it. Well, we see this with NFL officials, too. I mean, you know, that are these head guys, uh, these these head guys on these crews that are just notorious for uh, for ridiculously awful calls or some of the you, you have you'd have these uh, certain crews that would be out there where, you know, it's statistically proven that they would throw the flag for like pass interference, like 50 percent more than any other officiating crew. It didn't matter. If if you so much as look at the guy, you're getting a flag on you. Uh, you just got there's just a lot of bad officiating, and, and it's, it's a it, little it's a little it, different that the, because there's metrics on all these umpires in baseball too that so and so is more likely to call the strike yeah. than so and so. I understand it. That's just variance between different umpires, but that's different than this guy blows at his job and is more likely to get the call completely wrong than everybody else in the game. That's that's a whole new level right there. Yeah, that's almost as bad. Who was the guy who called the Joe Maurer ball foul in that series against the Yankees where the ball was fair by like five feet? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember the um, but yeah, I remember the, the play. Yeah, so it, it happens. The the thing is, I don't know. I don't know if we talk about this even on our it's football probably part CB of the show. because he sucks. <laughs> we could look it up, I'm sure. But I, I don't necessarily think that's like that umpiring or officiating or any of that in the NFL has gotten worse. What's happened is the technology has improved so much that you can quantify how bad these guys are. We can instantly go and see just how much they fucked up that right. call. You didn't used to have eight camera five or six or eight different camera angles for every single thing or... You know, you were, you know, when we were growing up, you weren't able to put the the strike zone superimposed up over the screen with the track of the ball and then have it light up right where it hits the strike zone. So you can see that a guy, you know, is getting jobbed on calls and balls that are strikes or strikes that are balls. We didn't have any of that. All we had was the same thing that these umps have is their eyes looking at it in real time. It must and, be blissful to be Hawk Harrelson, though, because it doesn't matter if you have the technology. He's going to believe what he wants to. You know, <laughs> he, can, he can show that it was in the strike zone. He's still going to say, no, nah, that, that was inside. I don't care what that box is. That was inside. Yeah. But now with everything, with, even with all the advanced metrics and tools and all this stuff that they did not have when we grew up watching baseball with XFIP and FUBU and whatever the hell they have, <laughs> you know, God, there's so much stupid shit that they have that they, you know, that they now they're starting to like, oh, that's a, that that that's a that's a five star catch. That ball only would have been caught eight percent of the time. Says who? <laughs> Says this little metric that they invented. Oh, oh my God. So yeah, <laughs> whatever. Um, that's great, but now that you have all this stuff that allows you to see mistakes and highlight mistakes it 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 mean there just needs to be a natural progression and advancement i know you and i are both on board with this in using the technology as much as possible to get things right well in case anyone hasn't heard me screed about it and i've probably done it the last three four years on this show yeah i'm ready for the robot umpires 
Yeah. I'm ready for hey. just get rid of the human umpires and just have the balls and strikes be called by a robot because they're proven to get it right, you know, 95, 96, 97% of the time. And however much below 100% that might be, that's still way above what these human umpires are doing. Right. So, so what ended up happening in that game that the robot umpire called that exhibition game last year or yeah. whatever that was? I, I, Eric Burns was standing I'm, back there. Yeah. Uh, he see the uh, the board light up depending on whether it's a ball or a strike, uh, yeah. and then he gets to make the call at home plate depending, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, on what the uh, what the board says, depending on what the robot has measured. It's not him standing back there judging whether it's a ball or a strike. It's him simply making the call based on what the what the robot mm-hmm. said. I think it right. went fine. I think everyone's. Uh, involved with the game that didn't have a bias going into the game that it was a bad idea. I think all of them thought it, it worked out just fine as a, as an exhibition and it's as something that maybe could be implemented down the road. I think it's going to happen maybe not soon, but I can see something like that being implemented in, in the minor leagues, probably in the next 10 years, I would guess. And then in the major leagues, you know, not too long after that, I can, I can see it coming. I, I think people are sick of, of the umpires standing back there, Joe West and, Angel Hernandez and all these guys just making up strike zone as as the as the game goes along. I think people are sick of that. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, it's a, a a pitch is a strike on one pitch, and then you throw the exact same pitch and it's a ball, or vice versa. Yeah, depending on what the count is. Yeah. Oh, that was too low to give it to you on one and zero, oh, but eh, I'll give it to you on two and zero. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and you know to take and the umps have got to as much as I know that there's that impartiality. You know the still umps humans. are still human. They're still feeding on the energy in the ballpark. You know they understand the moments that they're in. You know it, it's got to happen. You see guys getting rung up in high leverage situations on bad pitches all the time because um, the ump then gets to do his big thing, you know, and pump his fist in the air and call the guy out. And yeah, I, I'm all for it. I'm right there with you. You know, I cited tennis last year when we talked about it um, with the little in-out thing. It's like, boom, done. Great. Mm-hmm. Can't seconds. throw your racket at the robot. It's in or it's out. Yeah. You know? You still break the bat over your knee in frustration. You just won't be doing it at a stupid umpire call. You'll be doing it at your own incompetence. Yeah. Right, because you didn't swing. Or, you, yeah. you know, or you, swung, or you swung at the ball that was outside, you know? Right. Probably makes you these guys better hitters. hitters. It will make guys hit better and maybe make guys pitch better yeah no one that you can't go up there and get a foot outside the zone <laughs> because so and so was you know on the behind the dish today right and that's just so, so yeah, awful you, you frame yeah. the pitch they call it pitch framing where the catcher snatches the ball out oh, of the yeah. strike zone and snatches it back over the plate to, to fool the umpire that's so right. lame that, that's just terrible it takes that away too Yes, takes away the pitch framing catcher. The catchers that have value that that make hundreds of thousands of dollars based on their ability to fool home plate umpires. Think about that. Yeah, that's incredible. Pitch framing. James, Jason Castro will not have a job once this happens. Miguel Montero will be out of baseball. Yes, right. Yeah, these guys hitting two ten, but they're great pitch framers. They won't yeah. have jobs anymore because they're the, the only thing that they do is. You know, they catch the ball as they're moving their glove back towards the strike zone, 
and then have this really good ability of like freezing it like right there like yeah that's a strike yeah call it bitch you know <laughs> that's awful got you, you. Think about it. got you ump that doesn't happen in yeah. any other part of sports. You you make a basket in basketball, you make the basket. You don't come close to making the basket and have somebody judge that you made the basket and give it to you anyway. That's that doesn't happen in, in other sports. So. <laughs> I'm in favor of getting rid of all that. Yeah, at least a, you know in baseball, baseball's the easiest one because there's What's what's because baseball it's it's a team sport but it's a, it's an individual team sport and that, that you know with basketball and football because baseball is not really a, you know even though there's guys that get injured and things happen it's not a contact sport to the point where you have to have uh, subjective calls everything in baseball is to, to ball or a strike you're safe or you're out it's a hit or it's foul. You know, almost everything in baseball, the guesswork is all removed. Maybe not the check swing, you know, but almost everything. See, in basketball and football, you can still have officials determine the outcome of games because, you know, you could have a guy that gets teed up because the guy was looking at him wrong. You're not looking, looking at me, funny. <laughs> you know, or you could have this. Uh, well, Jesus, I, I'm still not over this whole string of face masks that we talked about this whole last season in football with dudes' helmets just getting jerked and no calls. Oh, you know, the, all the way up to in the Super Bowl, it happened in a high leverage situation. You know, but something that we had foreshadowed very early in the season. Where you know we're doing recaps in week two and week three and week four, and we're it was almost like we were doing the weekly update on how many times we saw dudes' heads getting yanked, and and no call. But if you're but but if you're a a defensive lineman and you run by the quarterback and your fingertips ever so subtly graze the quarterback's helmet as you're running by him, you get flagged up for 15 yards. But if you grab a dude by the face, trying to kill the quarterback with his fingernail. But if you but if you tackle dudes by their face, that's all good. Yeah, they definitely need to work on that. You you had that crusade so, last year, and and you were absolutely right about it. Yeah, and it it was yeah. I mean, I watched, you know, because of the job that I'm in, I watch a lot of football on Sundays because it's always on, you know. And I'm at work, and it's on every, it's all over my place where I work. It's on all these TVs, and it's not busy when football's on, so I get to watch a lot of football. It's one of the perks of my job. And, uh, you know, it's one of the, if I got to be there on a Sunday, but if no one's in the store, might as well enjoy the game, you know, and then with red zone and all of that, and you're snapping in and out of these games. And it's just, you know, with all the availability of seeing more games now, you're not just stuck watching your local team and then you don't see anything else. If you just watched one team all the way through a season, you wouldn't notice these trends. You wouldn't see this because you're not seeing it happening all the time. To the point, you know, and it was bad because it was to the point where they would be showing highlights, you know, like Sports Center or uh, NFL Game Day are showing highlights where there are blatant face masks of dudes getting ripped to the ground and they're just glossing over it in the highlight package because it doesn't fit the narrative. Yeah. So yeah, you got to tell the story about Tom Brady getting that that pass off and hitting Danny Amendola in the corner for the touchdown. You don't even need to talk about the offensive lineman 
pulling the the rushing line, the blitzing linebacker down by his face mask. We don't want to talk about that. Right. You know. <laughs> that disrupts so, our story. Yeah, and, and you know, that's one of the and 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 boy, you know, when you were talking, I think that is going to be the the downfall of the NFL more than anything else is going to be the 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 focus on storylines because it's starting to feel like it's almost like it's almost got to be operatic. I work with I, I you know at my work I don't know if I ever told the story on the show, but at my work I one of my one of my cashiers one of the girls that works in my office is like 19, 20 years old, and after the Super Bowl basically came right out and said, yeah, that was fake. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, and you know, but but here's what she said. This is a girl, young girl, here's what she said. I've watched enough wrestling to know oh a setup God. when I see one. Oh. And I was like, wow. I was like, ooh, that's, that's extreme? But then you start <laughs> thinking about it, it wouldn't be so hard. You know, I talked. We talked about that a little bit during the Super Bowl show. Like, which outcome, even with the whole Roger Goodell thing, which outcome profits the NFL more—the biggest comeback of all time, and Tom Brady's now the greatest of all time, which we know is a load of crap, um, or Atlanta wins the Super Bowl. See, now you're going into to her realm. You're sounding like her. Yeah. That is a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. Well, I. I <laughs> it's one of it's one of those things that I don't think happens in the moment, but I think things can be allowed to happen. There's a lot of strange things that happened in that game. You know, there were like Patriot drives where it seemed like every third down Atlanta was getting flagged for defensive holding. You remember that sequence, I'm sure. It was uh one of yes. their touchdown drives. Like four straight third downs. Three in a, yeah. three in a row. Uh, three in a row. Every, Atlanta stops them on third down, defensive hold, defensive hold. Uh, only on third down. They weren't holding them on first or second down. They were only holding Apparently, them on third down. Only on third down they were holding Only yes. on third down three straight <laughs> times. Uh and then, you know, we talked about the face mask, you know, the, the world, the most obvious face mask where you got Mohammed Sanu getting yanked to the ground by his face. But we're more interested in the holding that you could call on every play. Um, and we're never even going to talk. Troy Aikman was, or whoever it was that was doing the game real quick uh, was like, oh, it could have been a face. But that was the never heard anything about it ever again. <laughs> so I, I don't know if it's. Deter I don't think it was one of these things. If there was anything insidious, I don't think it was anything that was determined before the game. But as things were developing, it was almost like, wait a minute, you know, especially when you say like that. We never I don't even know if we even talked about that on the recap of the show with the three defensive holdings in a row. Because that was yeah, ridiculous. I think we did. Yeah. It's like <laughs> come on. Yeah. So yeah, I mean I but I'm I, but the where thing I'm is, with you is that it happens during the course of the game, not something that they sit there before the before the game and and right. huddle around Vince McMahon and his script writers and try to figure right. out the best plot to uh, to to work out. But I have to go from that point to going with it's humans. We talked a little bit about umpires and referees making calls yeah. based on the emotions of the of the moment and what home crowd, what crowd is loudest, things of that nature. I have to go down that road and, and attribute it to human error and, and 
going with that because if I go the other way and go conspiracy theory, now I sound like a Trump supporter and then hashtag fake, <laughs> fake Super Bowl, hashtag sad. And we, we can't do that. We cannot do that as a, as a it was people. The as Russians. A it was the Russians. And I made that it's joke all, when we, uh, when we started the show, the I said it was the Russians. Yeah. yeah it's always so the Russians. I, but, but yeah, when you start throwing out conspiracy theories like that and you sound like yeah. the 19 and 20 year old girl, that just that's not a good look because now you got these LeBron haters who every time he does something he, maybe he travels and the refs don't call it and that happens. Uh, they don't contribute that to human error either. They go, well, the the league is just protecting LeBron because they want LeBron to win, and it's the same people that said that about Jordan when he maybe got away with a push or a travel years ago. The league's just protecting oh, Jordan, but what it is is human beings tend to make calls for the superstars because they're superstars and humans do that, but you cannot go down the road of conspiracy theory and thinking that it's something that they do on purpose. Cause then you just sound like a wing nut. Right. Which was why that sort of struck me that I was hearing that where I was like, well, you know, and then where I had chalked it up more to like, just, you know, stupidity or like you're saying, you know, these officials are getting caught in the moment just as much as the players are. You know, the officials can feel the momentum swing. The, you know, they see what's happening. That they're, they're there. They know they're part of history, you know. And all of a sudden, you're just seeing stuff that wasn't happening earlier. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, well, okay, everything has changed. It was why that whole game felt so odd. But you don't want to have the NFL be too reliant on storylines. I don't want my NFL turning into wrestling. Because it, then it you know, produces fans like that who think that everything is a, is a work and, and it's scripted. Yeah, right. I mean, we went through several years where we weren't quite sure that the NBA wasn't that way, right? I mean, well, they they had some referees yeah. that were clearly uh, yeah being, being paid to influence the outcomes of games. Yes, yeah. So it, it can happen in sports, and that's my fear. Is with the NFL, not because it's just the Super Bowl. I think you know, but you know, we it's it's all about the narrative. It's all about the storylines. Mm-hmm. That's why I have such a hard time watching pregame shows. They're not talking about football. They're talking about uh, or or yeah, Joe Buck with the boat trip trying to create a story about fake news. There's Joe Buck literally sitting there on the air during that Packer Giants game trying to create a story because Odell Beckham and the wide receivers went on a, a, a fishing trip for a day. I'm not saying that had an impact on the game, but people are going to say that had an impact on the game. Right. And you just inserted that in there right now on his own. And it's like, yeah, we, and we, and we lambasted him for it. I mean, we, we did not give Joe Buck a pass at all for weeks for any of that stuff but that's the kind of crap i'm talking about you know i'm not talking about one specific thing i'm talking about this sort of like this slow burn that we've been seeing over the years where pregame show just should be an hour of x's and o's and you know here's who's playing and here's what's going on and now it's four or five or six hours that you have to try to fill plus a whole week plus 24 hours news cycle and uh yeah it, it, it's become it, you're getting they're getting a lot of WWE on my NFL. I don't like it. 
I hate to toot our own horns, but that's kind of why I'm so proud of the work that we do on this particular show, because I think we do a really good job of, again, cutting through the noise, breaking down what actually happened, not what the storyline dictated happened. And I think we did a, a pretty good job during the, the Super Bowl recap show specifically of pointing out that with all the referee calls and all the weird things that were happening out there, if Matt Ryan would like to hold on to the football instead of getting yeah. sacked and, and giving up field goal position, then the Falcons could have easily won that game. And that's, there's nothing the, the referees could have done about that. So when you break it all down, when you actually get down to what really actually happened and you realize that the referees couldn't have influenced the outcome of that game, if the Falcons would have done what they needed to do, then you actually talk about reality and not, Hashtag fake Super Bowl, hashtag sad. Yeah, and you know, and I'm actually, and I've had a while to digest that Super Bowl now. And uh, I'm mostly over it. And uh, I, I, st I don't blame Matt Ryan. I, I'm not going to be this guy who's going to hold it. You know, you know I'm not a Matt Ryan guy, right? So let's just get this out on the record. You know more than anybody, even people on this show, because, you know, our conversations about Matt Ryan predate the show. I've I've never been like the rah rah Matt Ryan guy, right? Right. Matt Ryan's not the one calling seven step drops, <laughs> right? Matt Ryan, you know, he's executing the game plan that he's being told by the now head coach of the San Francisco Forty ers <laughs> Right. So, and we we definitely went through and, all of this too. Uh, that yeah, I can't and, criticize Kyle Shanahan too much because I thought he was having big balls that he was going to go out right. the way that they won all their games all year. And he was going to go out doing what they do best. And I actually didn't have a problem with Kyle Shanahan myself. I'm the one I'll take the Matt Ryan criticism in this particular debate. I will criticize Matt Ryan, get rid of the fucking football. Don't take a sack idiot. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, Matt Ryan up until what halfway through the fourth quarter had like a perfect quarterback rating. I mean, he was, they were winning exactly the way that they've been winning. Yeah, yeah. He was he was playing the game of his life. So mm -hmm. I didn't have I didn't have a problem with with Matt Ryan. Yeah, he gets sacked. He got sacked a lot. And then on the strip sack, I mean, he got totally blindsided because Devontae Freeman just decided to totally whiff um, <laughs> yeah. on on Dante Hightower. You know, and and then if you go back and you actually look at the reverse angle, like the coach's tape of that play, uh, you had Aldrick Robinson on that play had a touchdown. It was, that's who he was going to. Mm -hmm. That's where he was cocking to throw the ball. Nobody covered him. He, the, the Patriots mm -hmm. were playing cover zero on Aldrick Robinson and Devonte Freeman <laughs> decided to just completely whiff on Dante Hightower. What do you do? I mean, it's the game of inches, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, the stuff like, but the stuff like that though, where you start to get the refs involved and we start getting the ridiculous defensive holding penalties on every third down and the face mask stuff. That's the stuff that, if you're taking care of your own business, doesn't you doesn't have to be a factor. And that's where Atlanta's problem was, was they let the game become competitive again so that crap like that could happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, sort of. But again, that's sort of starting a little bit down that road of hashtag fake Super Bowl and conspiracy theories. <laughs> I, I try to stay away from that as far as possible. But But I can see how people can see it that way. Uh, especially, yeah. like you said, through the lens of like sports 
this sports talk discussion, most sports talk discussions that aren't like ours, that aren't fact-based and actually looking at what actually happened and are focused around narrative. If you listen to some of those uh, particular breakdowns, then yeah, they're definitely heavy on the storyline and make you think that, oh, this is just like wrestling. You've watched enough wrestling. You know what's about to happen. So that, that's that's you're right. That's not a good trend. And, and and definitely not with any of this Tom Brady is the greatest of all time stuff. We could have a whole show. Oh, no. <laughs> you and I could sit here for two hours. I know we did it with, with Renard and Cass. Uh, th- that was the most stunning thing, <laughs> was you had two people, two groups of people, two and two, that each host podcasts that are football-related. You know, they have their focus, and we have, you know, they have, they have a more general focus uh, or, you know, more like uh, – we have a more broad there for the focus. fans. There, there for the, the fans. The, the fans yeah. Go, go, yay sports, and they <laughs> love, they love the they, they talk just solely about for the most part the NFC Central and the way that relates and the opponents they're going to have. And they're successful. That's great. And it was interesting though that all four of us get together and Tom Brady comes up and universally all four of us said no, he's not the greatest. Oh, oh no, 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 no. You know, yeah, all four. I, I was, I was really scared by that. And you know, and a lot of people I know who are football fans, none of them say Tom Brady is the greatest. The people who say Tom Brady is the greatest is all the people on the news, it all all the broadcasters. But but I think they all in live general, east of us, right? In general, you your your you know your 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 general fans aren't all sitting there going that. That Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time, and I, I don't think that, and I probably will never think that. But again, it's all about the narrative, and it's all about where you're located. Because the people, the the farther east you go, the more you will find that opinion that Brady is the greatest. I would guess. I, I you know I haven't taken a poll, I haven't uh, driven across America and taken a poll, but I'm guessing that you start out West in California and you're going to have a lot less Brady is the greatest discussion. And then yeah. as you drive East, you're going to have more and more and more of it. It's just a matter of, you know, who your, who your fan base is, where you're located, because as we really know, if we really want to be completely 100% honest and truthful, none of us have any motherfucking idea who the greatest quarterback is of all time. You can't measure it. You have no idea. No. Dan Marino may be, greater than all of them, and he has zero rings because of the people that happen to be surrounding him. You have no idea, if you want to be honest. Right. And and, and how, you know, and it's your situation, and it's where yeah. you are. If Tom Brady was on the Jaguars, they'd still be oh, crap. exactly. Exactly. And if Marino was coached by Belichick and, and was doing this offense, he might have five rings. He might have even more than five rings. He may not have lost <laughs> those two games to the Giants that Brady lost. That's true. So it's funny that in that conversation, the guy that we always think, because we grew up watching Dan Marino. Dan Marino was yeah, the best I, quarterback because, in the league for, for so long. Because he was right there with all of the greats of, of his era, the one with yeah. zero rings. There's right. I think that's what that's what colors our vision of him so much is that of all the quarterbacks with zero titles, I think he's the best we've ever seen by a mile. By a mile. Like oh, all yeah. the other guys yeah, that oh, were good yeah. have at least one. A really good, you know, 
Warren Moon doesn't have a Super Bowl ring, right? That's a that's a great uh, uh, contender for best quarterback without a title. That's that's right up there with Marino. Yeah. I still I, I mean, think I'd Marino st- over. I still put, yeah, that's, right. That's, I, I, yeah, but I, you know, you're thinking of these guys. You know, in their day, oh man, th- these guys were were something. And we, I'm not watching. I'm not watching a lot of guys right now. That ten and fifteen and twenty years ago uh, from now. Who, I'm what is it? <laughs> what was the noise that you keep making? Yeah, 20 years from now, I'm not going to be sitting there thinking back to this era of football and, and the quarterback play because it's so system based. And it, I'm just Brian not, not like the way. No, you know, and even the guys that are going into the Hall of Fame, even the, like, like Favre. Blake Bortles doesn't do it for you. Yeah, no, but even like a guy like Brett Favre is very like a fatally flawed quarterback who just caught fire for a four or five year period. You know, when when he had that tutelage under Mike Holmgren, and Holmgren kind of got his head straight and he stopped throwing picks. As soon as Holmgren skipped town, that was it. He wrangled them long enough to win one title. Get him to a within a shot of winning another, you know. And uh, right. once he's once he skipped town, and you know, Favre was still a good quarterback, but the picks started going up. I mean, he he threw a, was it what was it? He threw a pick with his final pass for every team he ever played with. That's just that's <laughs> awesome. That's an incredible statistic. That's a gunslinger. His last game with the Packers was the the pick that he threw in the NFC Championship. A lot of these happen in NFC Championship games too. Um, but he's a Hall of Famer, you know. Somebody and people want to talk about like greatest quarterbacks. Why does nobody ever talk about like Troy Aikman? And I hate Troy Aikman, <laughs> but Troy Aikman won multiple rings. They blew everybody out in every Super Bowl they ever played. And he was one of these, like, wasn't he like him and Steve Young? Aren't they like some of the most efficient quarterback rating quarterbacks of all time? Again, it's all about location, though. If you drive towards Texas and if you ever do that, God help you, because I try to stay away as far away from Texas as I can. I've never been to Texas either. Um, if you drive to Dallas, Texas, I'm sure the conversation about greatest quarterback of all time, I'm sure Aikman is in there. For them, yeah, just depending on where you are. But you know, I was thinking about it. It's so sad. I was thinking about this the other day because you've got you know everything that's happened, and now you know you've always got the context of history, and you've got the Patriots going to all these Super Bowls. The thing that's always going to do it for me, that's going to knock them, is a couple things. One, their margin to victory, where they they barely won their Super Bowls. They barely three, won. Three, you didn't have the four, three, three, four, six. This one was six. This was the biggest one. Um, oh, the Yeah, whoa. That was because they just scored a touchdown in overtime. But this was their biggest margin of victory in any of their Super Bowls. And I really hate to say it, but the last two Super Bowls they won, they shouldn't have. They didn't win <laughs> yeah. the Super Bowl. The other team lost. <laughs> The Seahawks, the Seahawks and the Falcons, yes. according to you. It, well, yeah, the, the Seahawks and the Falcons both gifted the Patriots Super Bowls. I'm just saying. I think as we get 
history on its side and you start looking at all these things and somebody really sits down and looks at the and John Casey. Let's not forget John Casey in the Carolina mm. Super Bowl. Uh, when Carolina comes down and ties the game with hardly any time left to go, John Casey decides, you know, this is a good time to do just kick the ball out of bounds on the kickoff. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 I'm not all in the bag for 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 the Patriots and Tom Brady. And also to your point of you can pick whoever you want to be to call him the greatest QB of all time. You can decide that however you want. I, it's funny you brought up Aikman because I just saw a Facebook meme that cherry picked some stats, uh, but pretty important stats, uh, maybe total yardage and maybe uh passer rating or something like that. Pick, cherry picked like three or four important stats that Jay Cutler actually beat Troy Aikman career-wise in those important stats. And, and the meme said the moment wow. you realize Jay Cutler was a better quarterback than Troy Aikman, which is ludicrous, but – Again, you can choose whatever you want to make whatever point you want, which is why I think it's silly to argue who was the greatest of all time because you don't know. Nobody actually yeah. knows. Yeah, they had this conversation on one of the sports talk shows, and somebody went back to I think it was Bill Russell. I'm, I don't want to be quoting wrong, but they went back to something that Bill Russell had said, which was you can't rank guys, but you can put them into like tiers. You can say that here's the group of the greatest of all time. And, and, and I, I, I think that's more accurate. You know, like we could say that Tom Brady is in the group that's considered for the greatest of all time. He's he's in the A group, right? If you're going to make that the A list of the of the greatest, he could be talked about as deserving of being in that list. Okay. But I, how do you I'm take that? Argue. How do you say that? Okay, there's, there's, there's. Let's say there's 15 or 20 guys on that list. You got you know Brady and Montana and Marino and and some of the guys, all the guys, Elway, whatever. All these guys that we talked about. I'm not an Elway guy either. Um, but there's these guys that you talk about and you put them all in there and you say, here's the list. You don't all, you don't. How do you then go in and rank those guys? How do you say, well, clearly, you know, this, this, this guy's better and. It, it it is really just uh, it's just folly. Yeah, that's all you're doing. You're just yeah. This is how you come up with idiotic TV shows like the top 100 players in the NFL right now, or the you know oh come on, really? No, and this is what sports talk radio was based on in the early days. Is what that's basically all that fueled it. Well, I think so and so was greater. Uh, I don't know. I think so and so. So you know, right? It's just regular or the circular sports talk and. Yeah, or the good old circular logic, you know, so and so beat this team, and then this team beat that team. Therefore, team A is better there than team go. C. Yeah, Eli is two and zero in Super Bowls against Tom Brady. <laughs> Eli Manning is greater than Tom Brady, pal. Just admit it. Uh, yeah. That that yeah. that that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. So, I I am more okay. Like like if you went to the Hall of Fame. Right, you go to Canton, you go to the Hall of Fame. Do they have a list of who's the best <laughs> Hall of Famer, who's the worst? Because you're still the worst Hall of Famer. That's not bad. You're in the group. It's like the worst uh, grades of the doctor that graduated in this class. He's still a doctor. That's right. Well, that it would probably be that guy that we made fun of on that one show that got in from the Veterans Committee that played in. That the guy, oh. he had three tackles in a championship game. Oh, 
Yeah, Hall of Fame, so now, all the way. Now you're now you're pointing out why I pay zero attention to the Hall of Fame because it's just ludicrous. <laughs> What's for the kings of non sequitur? What were we talking about? What were we talking about? No, I actually thought you were gonna go for a worse doctor, and I thought you were gonna go to your your pal Doctor Douche and, and really bring it all uh, around oh, no. uh, in a oh, circle. Yeah. There. He probably graduated last in his class, yeah. but he's still a doctor. Yeah, and you're probably Doctor Huxtable. Dr. Huxtable is probably pretty bad these days. Who knows what's going on in that room? <laughs> Give me some pudding pop. I shouldn't do that with a bad throat. Oh, boy. Well, I'm, wor- I'm more worried that you were doing the contortions there and you're going to throw your back out. Because you can't do that without doing the <laughs> Yeah, you yes, can't do that yeah. without doing the contortions. Yeah, you got to have your hands up in the air and writhing yeah. around. Get your eyes rolling in the back of your head. You yeah. got to do it right. Can't the whole reason, like we were talking about, that we'll never break out into Jingle Bell Rock because immediately we'll start rocking we'll start and snapping our your arms back. We talked about that yeah. with Renard, too. And then, you know, you got to do the movements when you're trained. And he knew it. It, it Yeah. Yeah, we're like, Manchur- it's like the Manchurian candidate. When you get indoctrinated at such a young age. Yes. We've been brainwashed to murder the president with Jingle Bell Rock. (laughs) Uh, I must kill the queen. (laughs) I I was looking at some of those uh, calls that were being made in some of these games that I was scoring for uh, baseball info solutions. And those, those, if you think the major league referee or umpires are bad, those minor leaguers are, whoo. You're talking about some inconsistent strike zones. It's uh, really? it's pretty bad. You can sit there and and because you know our my seats are right behind home plate, and so I'm sitting there just watching the guy look at a pitch like you said in one place and calling it a ball, looking at exact same pitch in the exact same place and kind of hesitating for a second and going, "Yeah, all right, I'll call that a strike. Okay, I'll give it to you." It's, it's like he's thinking about it. And it's like, that's not how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to just call the ball and strike as it happens, you know, but these guys, they're, they're, they're human, but they're inconsistent because they're human. But that's my point is they're human and they're going to be inconsistent. They're never going to be any better than they are now. And so just go to the robot umpires and be done with it. And then you don't have to worry about it. That's yeah, the techno the technology is there. It, it that's the thing that I don't get. I mean, who are we gonna piss off here? Other than like Bob Costas. I mean, who cares? I think there's a lot of the uh it's tradition and we don't want to upset the baseball purists and we don't want to I think there's a lot of that that goes into it. Because they interviewed a lot of these umpires on, on real sports. And the hubris that some of them had about saying, no, they shouldn't have robot umpires. They should keep the human element. And you ask them why, and they go, because that's how it's supposed to be. They don't have a real reason why it should we're be like that. To, just... We're supposed to fuck up. It, it, it's natural. <laughs> yes. That's what baseball is, is umpires fucking up calls for hundreds of years, and that's what it's supposed to be, and that's what it should remain. That's basically their reasoning yeah. behind it. Yeah, it's not like automation or figuring things out, or advancing as a race or a species is a bad thing. You don't hear a lot about plane crashes a lot anymore, right? 
You know, I remember well, growing up, there was like a plane crash every three months, and it was always human error. <laughs> right. Well, we should keep it like that. Pilot, we shouldn't have technology come in and make us safer. So let's go, and humans... let's go and interview some. That's right. Let's go and interview some 747 pilots. I think we should have. I think we should have the human element. <laughs> I just horribly I think stereotyped. We should be allowed. Yes. <laughs> Terrible. But you get my point. Yes. The point I think is, we should be allowed to fuck up because that's how it's always been. <laughs> it's the human element. Yeah. That's, that's no, a really bad the, the, excuse, people. The point is, is now we have the resources to get it correct. In who, and that's what it's about. And and this is this is big money, people's jobs. You know, you, you could make a bad call. And get someone fired. Yep, and get someone they, demoted in their yeah. career. Take away uh, Armando Galarraga's right? uh, perfect game. Oh and, boy! You know what though? Yeah. I think that actually helped him because he wasn't very good. No, he wasn't. But he still would be better off if he could sign his autograph, Armando Galarraga <sighs> perfect game, which he can't ever do now. He can't but make that money. Knows. It's just gone. But everybody, everybody knows, knows but perfect game. But the money that he'll these get a memorabilia 30. people will pay for an actual perfect game. Did he get a thirty for thirty yet? Because he wouldn't have got one if he had just thrown the perfect game. Well, that's true, but I still think financially, overall, he'd have been much better off if he'd have been given credit for the perfect game that we all know he threw, but he didn't get credit for because of human that's true. error. Yeah, obvious and blatant too. I remember. I've oh. described the feeling I had watching that. It made me sick watching that. It's like, oh, and I am oh, I am by no means really a, oh. I am yeah, I had I watched it happen live. I am by no mm. means not like in the stadium, but I mean I watched it live on TV and I got that like pit in my stomach, like, no, that they're gonna fix yeah. this because you know, he was clearly out. It was a half step. Mm-hmm. Wasn't even bang bang. The guy was just out, <laughs> and the guy called him safe. Jim Joyce. Nobody's ever going to know anything else about Jim Joyce either, <laughs> right? But the Jim way, way Jim Joyce the reacted was the perfect game. Yeah, I think the way he reacted is it tore him up to to be that guy. I don't no, think he yeah, no. want that infamy ever. Yeah, he was actually a hell of a stand up guy about the whole thing because he even in the interview. Um, in the interview room and everything, basically was like, "Hey, you know, I screwed up for this kid. It's all my fault." And so, yeah, if that would have been Joe West, like I was out, or he was safe, exactly. I don't if he was one of these umpires, shit. right? If he was being interviewed on Real Sports, he would say, "Well, no, it was human error, and and you know, humans make mistakes, and that's how it's supposed to be. You know, so be it." Yeah. So he was safe. Print it. <laughs> right downtown and print it. <laughs> that was really well, it's two hours, huh? Wow. Well, I, I, unless you had anything for the last bit here, um, I was gonna I was get into saying, some of the drama. Oh, 
drama. Yeah, we you know, we always cover two hours easily. No, no, no problem. No, I know. Um, yeah, some of the drama that I've uh, encountered scoring games this year because I wound up taking a different uh, position, more of a, I guess, leadership position. I wound up uh, applying to be the the what they call the point person or the point man. <laughs> Excuse me. And the point um, man. Yeah. So what that does is. There's a little bonus for that at the end of the year, which is why I did it. But any every game now that doesn't have anybody else that wants to volunteer for it, basically the point person is the one that's on the line to to get that game covered, to, to get out there to the park and, and score that game. Um, and there's a there's a monetary penalty if a game isn't covered. Uh, so not being a point person, if there was a game that nobody had signed up for, I would just sit there you know like everybody else and go okay that that sucks nobody wants that game and then it'll be up to baseball info solutions to email us and figure out you know is anyone available can we please get somebody to cover that game but now as the point person it's on me and what i what what, what happened was i saw last year i was looking at everybody's uh uh bonus money and, and game scores and all that you can look at you can look at that by their numbers by their whatever number they have with baseball info solutions it's not by name so i don't i don't know any of these guys numbers so it's anonymous you know supposed to be anonymous but i was noticing that the people that got the point person bonus a lot of them didn't work a lot of games so what they were doing was just signing up to be the point person if if any games came up that they had to go cover they would just go cover those otherwise they would just sit at home and relax but they were still getting as much money as i was getting for working 20 and 25 games and busting my behind and I said, you know what? I'm just going to sign up and be the point person this year, and then I'm going to do that. I'm going to sit back and let everybody else sign up for games. And if any emergency comes up, I'll go out there and do it. And I thought I was sort of getting over. You know, I'll still get the same amount at the end of the year that I would get otherwise for working all these games. Well, there's been some things that have happened that uh, it hasn't worked out exactly the way I was planning. First of all, the first week of the season, uh, maybe the second or third game, uh, there was only one person signed up. They want two people out there for every game. They'll let you do, they'll, they'll, they'll if, if only one person can do the game, so be it. But they want two people ideally for every game. And what happened was there's only one person signed up for like the third game of the year. And my wife actually being Miss Goody Two Shoes told me, hey, Mr. Point Person, you should go out there and be the second guy and do that game even though there's only there's even though there's one person already doing the game and i waffled on that back and forth and i finally decided you know what she's right i guess i'll go out here and be the second person to cover this game so baseball info solutions has two season tickets set up for whoever the two people are covering this game so i get out there there's only one person doing the game there's only one person assigned to do that game well what i found out by getting out there uh without putting my name on the list as being uh, the second person. What I found out was that Baseball Info Solutions and the and the box office are actually even more in communication than I ever thought. That's one thing that I found out because I get out there and I ask for a ticket thinking that the first ticket has been taken by this guy, Bob Sanders, is, is the guy that volunteered for the, for the game. And they say, we don't have any tickets. The, the person that's assigned to this game or whatever has taken both tickets because there is no other person out there. And 
they didn't know that I was not that person. So they asked me, are you Bob Sanders? And I said, uh, no. And they said, well, then you're not on the list. The funny thing about that is I'm the point person. I'm the one making the list now. I'm the one in charge of the schedule. So anyone signs up for that game, I'm the one in charge of putting them on a schedule. So I, I could have put my, excuse me, my own name <clears throat> on the schedule, but I didn't think I had to because there's only one person to sign. But what happened was Bob, that's the second thing I found out is Bob likes to take that second ticket. If he's the only person assigned, he likes to take that second ticket and then give it to somebody and, and, and use it because no one else is going to use it. He figures there's no reason to, to not do that. So what I did was I went and bought my own ticket to the game. I contacted Baseball Info Solutions and I told them, hey, I got here to be the second person, but both tickets are, are gone. Are you, you know, can you reimburse me for this ticket? And they said, yeah, we'll do that. Well, Bob, when he found out about that was like, um, I really didn't want you to, to do that. Cause now they know that I'm taking that extra ticket. So Bob was trying to pay me for, uh, for the money for, for buying that ticket. And, and I said, that's great, but look, I, they said they'll reimburse me. So you don't have to give me this money, this, this $20. And he said, no, I insist you keep it. And I, and I said, Hey, I'll, you know, this is not your money. They said they'll reimburse me. So you, I'm, I'm trying to get this back to you, but you're not taking it. So look here, I'm putting it in my wallet. I'm folding it up, putting it in this corner of my wallet right here. This $20, this is your money because they reimbursed me for this ticket. So you don't have to pay me. So if you want your $20 back, it's right here. Anytime you want it, just let me know. And, and I'll give it back to you. Now I'm black. So that $20 has since been long spent, but let it be known on the record. I offered to give it back to him. I did offer it back. Um, but anyway, so that's a little bit of the drama. And then there was more drama because there was the, the day that I left town for this trip to, uh, to Pensacola. There was a day game scheduled that day for the Redbirds and nobody had signed up. And I'm communicating with them going, I, I'm not going to be there. I know I'm the point person. I'm supposed to cover any game, but I, I'm not going to be there. And there's this one guy, his name I don't remember at the moment. There's one guy that has signed up for a bunch of games. And then when I set the schedule, one by one, each date comes up that I have to take him off that date because he signed up for another game somewhere else. And I can't schedule him back to back, you know, or, or on the same day. I can't schedule a guy that's already scheduled for another game on that, on that same day. Why he's volunteering for days in which he's already committed to another game, another team somewhere, I have no fucking idea. But this guy actually signed up for that Monday game as well, that Monday day game that I couldn't do because I was going to be driving to Pensacola. And thankfully, the guys at Baseball Info Solutions got in contact with him and said, hey, that game that you're doing elsewhere, I think maybe in Jackson, Tennessee or something, we're taking you off that game and we're going to make you do the game in Memphis because you did sign up for that game too. Uh, but otherwise, I would have been fucked because if he didn't do that game, nobody else had signed up for it. Um, so thankfully they were able to do that. But then there was this past, uh, not this past week, but a couple of weeks ago, there was an eight game homestand. Literally nobody signed up for the, any of those games. So I had to do all eight oh, of those no. games. So I I've had Ouch. drama and I didn't, I didn't anticipate it. I didn't expect that kind of drama, but you know what it is, what it is. I signed up for it. And my wife of course is laughing at me going, you want it to be the point, man, here it is. Let's see if it's worth it, if it's worth your while. But I got to be honest, I'm still enjoying it. It's still fun. So I, I don't know if I'll do it again next year, but there's a chance I might, actually. 
And, and you see, we, you we still, you need still get to go out there and see the ball game. So, yeah, exactly. So, uh, don't know when we're going to do our next show, but it's probably going to be a, a, at least a few weeks from now. We'll let the summer get on and we'll talk about the baseball season and whatever else is on our minds. The NBA finals will be in full swing by then. So, uh, for Jay, I'm Dre, and we are done.